Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Well, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. not turning down there we go greetings programs and welcome back to another edition of the nerd cave retro show and my name is jason robbins and i'm derek diamond so derek you've got a very very important weekend coming up this weekend so tell everybody what's going on i mean i'm just going to be playing smash brothers uh, all yeah. weekend. i don't know i don't know what <laughs> you got no um so i've been talking about this for months now on the show but this weekend it's finally happening. We are shooting the Parker Syndrome. My, my, I guess my directorial debut, if you will. Yes. Uh, really excited for it. I, I've been planning it for a long time. Um, was originally going to shoot it in October. Had to push it back, but I think that worked out for the better. Um, I'm going to be the sound guy, actually- so if the sound is screwed up, blame me. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, that's what I told Steve when we shot Survey. Yeah, <laughs> I read sound for that. No, yeah, Jason will be uh, coming into town to help out. So, um, really excited for it. I've uh, got really good cast, really good crew. So, it's going to be a very busy two days, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I know I'm going to be exhausted at least after it's over, but uh-huh. it, it'll be a good kind of exhausted. So, I'm I'm really excited for it. You know, I've had uh, I'm actually doing the last. Um, uh, rehearsal with the cast um, right after we do the show over Skype. So awesome. Uh, after that, it'll be just kind of finalizing the shooting schedule, and then we'll do the thing on Saturday and Sunday. It's going to be a huge sense of relief when you hit that final cut. We're we're wrapped. <laughs> You're going to be like, oh god, now the real work begins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then we then we start my my favorite part of the whole process post. Mm. So yes, no, it'll it'll be good. Hey, you know, but at, least, um, at least this isn't an action movie, so you won't be out in the uh, Steve's yard um, rolling around doing foley work. <laughs> I told I I told Steve one of my regrets from at least me working on Survey was that we didn't get video of that whole thing because I wish you could have seen the visual. <sighs> of Steve running in his yard with me following behind him with oh, a microphone God, that, and a boom pole. That would have been a great uh, Blu-ray edition. To have, I just picture oh. the Benny Hill theme in the background. <laughs> just in super fast motion. Oh, that would have been so good. That would have been a perfect uh, Blu-ray extra for the, the for the Blu-ray. I know I would have just cut out the the podcast that you guys did with me and just replaced it with that. That would have been so much better. Well, it's going to be fun. I can't wait to come over. And uh, I I rarely have worked behind the camera before. So this is going to be a whole new experience for me. No, it should be fun. You know, running running sound is it's it's a really important job. And I had kind of overlooked that from the very limited amount of film work that I've done. But Servi really taught me how important sound is. So. Yes. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm going to give you a crash course, um, Saturday when we get to the set. So it's, and it's, it's, it's easy. I didn't realize how important sound was until I spent, uh, since 2016, I've been attending festivals and seeing lots and lots of short films, especially this last weekend, Steve Wise and I, the director of Survey, we went to the Tampa Bay underground film festival for the weekend, and uh, we watched wa- we watched lots of short films, and that's one thing that people don't pay attention to is the sound. We saw so many films with bad sound, just you know, like the levels were wrong. There was no ambient sound. Just like one scene to the next had a different like ambient sound to it, and it just it completely takes you out of the movie when there's no good sound design. And that's one thing I can say for Servi. We sounded damn good up on the big screen. <laughs> well, 
Well, there was a lot of editing that went into that between both me and Steve because I, I did I did the initial sound edit and then Steve went in and touched up some of it. But yeah, it's I gained quite a bit of appreciation for sound editing because I can't tell you how many times that I just sat at a computer and basically just yelled out so many curse words because sound editing is a very, very meticulous yes. process. Yes, it so is. So it's something I know that I'm definitely going to preach this weekend is, you know, making sure that the sound is good. So I think Steve I'm, said I'm it, excited for it. Steve said it best the other day. He said, you can have a great looking movie, but if the sound is bad, people are going to say the movie was terrible. But you can have a great sounding movie, but the movie can be bad or mediocre, and people will just call it artsy. Yeah. So it's, you know. Even if you're watching videos on YouTube, the video quality can be just okay. But if I see a video and it looks great, but you can't hear anything, Uh I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, same here. I've tried to watch so many videos lately of things that are of interest to me. And then I'll start watching the video and, you know, there'll be cuts in the video, which I don't mind cuts. Um, but the, the sound will be like perfectly fine one second. And then there's a cut and then like goes real low and you can barely hear anything. And then it goes back up and I'm like, I, I can't do that. Like that drives me batshit. Yeah. But well, hopefully that won't be the case with the, uh, the Parkinson. And I, and I don't, I don't think it will be. No, and I, I was I talking so. with Steve. You know, we keep mentioning Steve. Steve's actually um, my AD, my assistant director, which mm-hmm. I'm extremely happy with because he's he's really been the MVP of this whole thing because yeah. he's to be to let a little cat out of the bag. I'm probably the least experienced person that's going <laughs> to be on set, and I'm directing the damn thing. <laughs> Yeah, I that's was, why I've been uh, surrounding myself with people who are very knowledgeable yeah. about what they're doing because it, it's a learning experience for me. Oh yeah, I think you're gonna do great. I mean, uh, you're you're braver than I am because I do have another short film that I want to make, and I w- thought about directing it, but I was like, you know what? I don't think I could do that. I would much rather get a lot of lot more experience under my belt of watching directors and being mm-hmm. directed by them so that then I could easily transition instead of just jumping feet first. So I was like, Steve, please direct my movie for me. It's like, okay, I will. <laughs> All right. All right. Fine. <laughs> but I can't wait for everybody to be able to see Survey. I don't know when it's going to be able to be available online or anything. But uh, but you guys out there, a lot of people have started watching Monsters. I've been looking at the... Uh, when you have your movie on Amazon Prime, you can see the hours watched. And I'm like, whoa, mm-hmm. people are watching it. It's awesome. Sweet. So everybody no, that's, go watch that's, Monsters. That's a big deal. Everybody listening, go watch Monsters Anonymous right now for free on Amazon Prime. And when you do, leave us a rating so that everybody will get to see it. I do have one regret from Survey. Hmm. And then I guess we can move on to news after that was and I've mentioned it before was the fact that we didn't work on set together because yeah. I really wanted that photo of you and <laughs> like full Vilker makeup scar and everything and yeah. me with my flowing locks and Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> that was the first thing I asked Derek uh, a couple of weeks ago when he asked <laughs> me to be uh, if I'd like to do sound, be the sound guy. And I said, does it require a Hawaiian shirt? Because <laughs> <laughs> I can go get one. I, I, I'm sure I can find one pretty easy somewhere. Yeah, they're they're not that hard to find in the South. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was trying to be the stylish sound guy. All I just yeah. needed to be was high the whole time. I don't know how. And you, I would have. I don't know how you had that hair at the time either, because it was roughly 180 degrees yeah. outside for that weekend. Yeah, I. I can never do that again. No, I was going to, but once I got to a certain point, I'm like, no. No, and I bumped up my haircut appointment because I had told the the girl who cuts my hair, I told her I wanted to grow it back out. So I, I walked back into you know where I get my haircut and she just sees me and she's like, change your mind. Yeah. 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 So the usual. <laughs> yeah. All right. But uh, but let's go ahead and move into uh, the news for this week. What do you say? Let's do it. 
Oh boy. <laughs> so the the big gaming news story. This was released uh, yesterday. We're recording this on Tuesday night. Uh, this comes to us from our friends at IGN.com. Sonic the Hedgehog movie first look. The official poster. Uh, this is actually an exclusive story by uh, IGN, which is really cool for them. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog is making his way to the big screen, and IGN has the exclusive first look at a live-action take on the beloved character. And there's a link to the um, IGN's Instagram page. It's basically a motion po poster displaying what Sonic's speed is going to look like in the movie, and it ends with a silhouette shot of Sonic with the title you know, underneath him and everything. But Sonic does look a little bit different than what you would expect. It's basically, long story short, it's a live action take on what Sonic would look like if there were a probably four or five foot tall anthropomorphic hedgehog. Uh, it's, you can't really see any facial features other than, you know, his nose. You can see a little bit of his eyes. Um, big Big changes, you can tell he's not wearing any gloves, and his arms are blue and covered with fur. And they, that's the thing they emphasized on, is that you know they wanted Sonic to be covered in fur. But hedgehogs don't really have fur, they have quills. Which is an interesting take on it. And his shoes are different. The shoes don't really bother me. I mean, they're still red, and they have laces instead of the buckles on the side. But that doesn't really bother me that much. Thinking about it initially, I did not like it, but I do want to see more from it before I really make judgment. Like I want to see how Sonic and the other characters interact in live action. The thing I'm honestly curious about is how Jim Carrey is going to look as Robotnik. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they're going to be able to pull <clears throat> off the giant mustache. I don't know. I wonder if that's going to be the next poster that comes out. Uh, what what do you think of it? Uh, I don't know what to think about it. Uh, um, I hope they don't do something stupid, like make him some sort of like lab experiment or something like that. Like, I just don't know. How are you going to do Sonic the Hedgehog as a, a live action movie set in the real world and... I don't know. I'm just skeptical. Like until I see it, I I'm gonna go in with uh, tempered expectations and hopefully be surprised. But I don't know, man. I'm. I don't know what to think, honestly. Like I don't know if I'd like it or not. I'm just kind of like, I see it and I don't really know what to think. Well, it says here, this telling of Sonic's story sees him as a bit of a fish or hedgehog out of water. Sonic finds himself in our present-day world where he develops a relationship with James Marsden's Tom Wachowski and also finds himself at odds with Jim Carrey's Dr. Robotnik. As expected, mayhem ensues. Hmm. So what they might do is they might have, because they did this with one of the, the animated series as well, was all the Sonic characters for, were from another planet and they were somehow transported to Earth. So my guess is that like Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, like that entire group plus Robotnik and the Chaos Emeralds will be transported to Earth and they'll be stuck there. So a lot smells... of it will be dealt with those characters and humanity adjusting to having, you know, walking, talking animals. This kind of has a Howard the Duck smell on it a little bit <laughs> yeah if it were me and I'll, I'll be honest i would have gone the safe route and i would have made it like a pixar style animation movie and I, I would do that with pretty much all of the most of the video game properties like zelda could work as live action metroid could work as live action but when you get to like sonic Mario like they're I think they're going the correct route with Mario they're getting the studio that did the Despicable Me movies yeah. to do it and it's going to have that style mm -hmm. yeah I just so don't anything know. that would appeal more to kids needs to be that animation style plus I think it would just work and if you want to modify the characters looks a little bit that's fine I mean I would honestly expect that but I don't know it's it's going to be very, very interesting, but I'm trying to hold off all judgment until I see a trailer. Yeah, same here. I, the poster, it 
I don't know. It kind of looks cool. Like I like the color of it and everything, and I don't know. I just I really don't know what to think. I don't know whether I like it or not. I'm just kind of in a wait and see mode. I do like the the logo with like the neon border and that the I do like little red block. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that looks really cool. Looks great. That looks great. I, I just I I want to see a trailer. We've got a while to wait though. It doesn't come out until November of next year. Oh so. wow. Yeah, they're just now, I think, starting work on um, all the effects. Wow, all right. So it'll yeah. it'll be a while. Yeah, so my, my guess even... is we won't see a trailer until maybe the spring yeah. at the earliest, if I had to guess. I would say we're probably going to see a trailer uh, in front of Infinity War Endgame. That's when we'll see a trailer. Oh, yeah, we, we didn't even mention that. That trailer oh, yeah. was amazing. Oh, man. <laughs> that, the first half of that trailer just, like, you might as well have just rip my heart out because I love Tony Stark. Just tear it right out and just yeah, stomp yeah. on it. <laughs> Marvel, you can you can just go ahead and have this. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I know you're just going to take it. So you might as well just have it. Oh, me and Steve had a lengthy discussion because, you know, we had like a nine hour drive to get to Tampa. So we had a lengthy discussion of how we think uh, the movie's going to play out and how uh, Scott... Um, not so- Scott I Lang. Why do I keep thinking Scott Summer? Scott Lang... Uh, how he gets out of the uh, the what do you call it the, the quantum realm the quantum realm I think he's gonna have some sort of redundant um, backup system in his suit to be able to get him out so I think he's gonna be able to be out instantly it's not gonna be like he's been in there forever I think he's gonna come out and he's gonna be like where the hell is everybody and that's when yeah. he goes to you know the Avengers. Uh, place for the Avengers. He's like knocking on the front door. He's like, "Hey, it's me. Remember me? I'm the big guy from the airport. <laughs> we met a few years ago." Yeah, <laughs> Ant Man. I know you remember that. That's gonna be great. I can't wait for that. Yeah, same. Uh, but on to our next story. This is from NintendoLife.com. SNES Classic King Arthur's World is getting a modern day remaster. Twenty five years later. It may well have been around 25 years ago that SNES Classic King Arthur's World invaded our screams for the first time, but a brand new remaster for modern platforms is currently in the work. If you need a quick refresher, uh, the game has you playing as the titular King Arthur, especially aiming to work your way from your tent at the start of a level to the end goal. Various enemies and traps are present to hinder your progress. However, and you need to command the king and his troops to move or fight, you can see the game in action in the video uh, embedded into the uh, article here, if you'd like to take a look at it. Um, I never played this game, so I have no idea what this game is about, but it looks kind of cool, and I I would like to play this. Yeah, same here. I vaguely remember the title. It sounds kind of familiar, but there were so many games for the Super Nintendo, and you know, I, I played... I played a good amount of them, but there were some that I just never got around to. And, you know, one of them I'm actually going to be reviewing for our review tonight. But King Arthur's World is one of them. And I haven't got a chance to watch the video yet, but this would probably be one because this game would be right up my alley. I love the King Arthur story. It's got the gameplay that I love. It just, it screams Super Nintendo, and I love it. Yeah, all these screenshots look, I mean, this just brings me right back. And mm-hmm. I the reason I put this in here is I hope that we're starting to see a trend of remastered 16-bit titles. Hopefully maybe even 8-bit titles too. I'm just picturing a remastered Link to the Past. Oh boy. They don't even need to touch it. It's still it's perfect the way it is. They just need to put it out again for the Switch. <laughs> Drink Wally. uh feel free to sip wally because i'm sure you'll probably be drinking more later on in the show but no i i i would play i would play this game for sure yeah it looks pretty interesting and our last story comes to us from techspot.com john romero announces uh sigil yeah is that the okay sigil in celebration of doom's 25th anniversary god that's crazy to think about Uh, Monday marks the 25th anniversary of Doom, arguably one of the most influential first-person shooters of all time. To celebrate the occasion, co-creator John Romero has announced an expansion that will be arriving in mid-February 2019. 
Sigil is the spiritual successor to the fourth episode of Doom, picking up where the original left off. It'll consist of nine single-player and nine deathmatch levels. Described by Romero as a megawad, the expansion will be available free of charge to owners of the original 1993 registered version of Doom. Uh, hardcore fans may also be interested in the two limited edition physical releases in the pipeline. That's pretty awesome. I know. If you're still an owner of the original Doom from 1993, you're getting an update and an expansion 25 pati- years later. Your patience has paid off. <laughs> This is awesome. I, I love this. Yeah, it, it's cool to see, you know, all these classic games getting attention, even if it's something, you know, like this. But I mean, I, I think this is really cool doing basically an update for it. For those who have kept their old copies, it, it, it's just really cool. You know, and I and I never played Doom. It's one of those games that you know, I mentioned along with like Doom and uh, Star Wars Dark Forces that I remember watching my uncle play after school when I was a yeah. kid. And they have. Did a you ever of, see the uh, Doom movie? Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, it's on Netflix, and I I watched about two minutes of it, and I was like, "Yep, still not that good." Oh, I saw the, it in the theater. Ooh, <sighs> yikes! <sighs> the the first person sequence is really cool, but other than that, the the movie is. Uh, I'll leave it at that. (laughs) There are a couple of editions of this that are actually pretty cool. Uh, The big box features artwork of Christopher Lovell, a 16 gigabyte USB stick modeled after a three and a half inch floppy disk, a two disk jewel case with game data and soundtrack at soundtrack from Buckethead plus two stickers. And then there's a beast box edition Includes an oversized box that is individually numbered and signed by Romero. The same 16 gigabit gigabit USB drive, a two-disc booklet-style case, an 8x10 art print signed by Christopher Lovell, a sigil-themed coin, a pewter statue of Romero's head on a spike, and a t-shirt and two stickers. Love it. How much does that one cost? Uh, let's see. Let's see uh, they're $39.99 and $166, respectively. Is that for the Beast Box? Uh, I think, yeah, I think the Beast Box is $166 and the standard Big Box is $39.99. I don't think that's that <laughs> terrible. I mean, it comes with a lot of stuff. Yeah, and the box looks great. If you go uh, on TechSpot to take a look at this article... Uh, they have right up at the top of the article, there's the actual beast box pictures mm-hmm. of it. And it looks satanic as hell. <laughs> yeah. But the detail in it is just awesome. Oh, it's great. But that's really cool. Let's go ahead and move into, uh, let me pull up my news here. This month in video game history. Uh, December of 1981, Jump Bug, the first scrolling platformer developed by Hoai Corland and Alpha Denshi, is distributed in North America by Rockola under license from Sega. I think I remember Jump Bug. Yeah, I'm looking at some screen caps from it. It looks like your classic arcade platformer. Yeah, let me look at some screenshots here. Oh, yeah, I do remember this game. I've never played it, but the title does sound, like, very vaguely familiar. Yeah, I think we talked about this last December. I'm starting to get deja vu from all the stuff we've mentioned over the years. So does that mean we're in the Matrix? Yeah, we're, we have a glitch going in the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, December 17th, 1987, Capcom releases the first Mega Man game in the long-standing series for the NES Slash Famicom. Speaking of Never Mega heard Man, of it. I picked up Mega Man 11 this last weekend on sale for the Switch. and Yeah, you did. Whew, man, I played <laughs> it for about two hours, and I got to the point I texted Derek. I was like, I physically cannot play anymore because my thumbs were so sore. Did it hurt you to text me? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't use my thumbs. Oh, man. I just picture you like poking your phone with your index, you're like, my thumbs hurt too it's much. It's so hard. Like, it's crazy how hard it is. It's either, it's either really hard or I'm just losing my reflexes in my old age. So I actually had to start the game over 
and go down to a newcomer difficulty <laughs> so I could actually play the game. I feel so bad. Nah, it's all good. We've all been there. Uh, on December I do want to 8th, play that, though. Oh, you should. It's great. I love it. Uh, December 18th of 1987, Square's Hironobu Sakaguchi releases Final Fantasy for the Famicom in Japan. Originally intended to be the company's last release, the game's success resulted in a prolific series. It was released in the USA three years later as Final Fantasy XIV. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, did, did you hear about the uh, the new Final Fantasy? No, I did not. It's actually a prequel called Final Fantasy Negative Six. Oh, yeah. That, well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm sure this is the one that was released on the uh, uh, SNES as like um, Final Fantasy Three or something. I don't know. I don't know how they numbered that crap. This might be like the one <laughs> Final Fantasy game that's actually like the same in both yeah. regions. <laughs> Had to start somewhere. We, yeah, we can hope so anyway. Uh, December 18th, 1987, Square releases... Or no, that's the same one. Yeah, that's it. Uh, December 20th, 1987, Sega releases Fantasy Star on the Master System, featuring a female protagonist. I've briefly played a Fantasy Star game. There was one for GameCube called uh, Fantasy Star Online. Hmm. Um, not, a, not a terrible game. Uh, I didn't really get into it all that much. It was one of those games that you had to have a group of people to play with. Yeah. But it, it wasn't terrible. I never played any of the old ones, but... Yeah, I didn't either. I, I didn't... I am... I'd be interested to, I mean, I, I wonder if it's on that... Um, I think it is coming out. Uh, either Fantasy Star or Fantasy Star 2 is going to be on the uh, the Genesis Classics release that's coming out for the Switch. Yeah. That, that was going to be my next question, because I, I do want to get that Genesis collection so we can have some of those games to review. Yeah, me too. Uh, December 4th of 1992, Mega Man 5 is released in Japan. On December 15th, Mega Man 5 is released in the U.S. I want to complete a Mega Man collection. That's going to be hard to do. Yeah. December seems to be a popular month for Mega Man. Yeah. Every month not is a, bad a good thing. month for Mega Man. <laughs> Fair. Very fair. Uh, December 10th, 1992, Fatal Fury 2 is released by SNK for the Neo Geo Arcade and Home Platforms. Which one is Fatal Fury? Have I ever played this before? Uh, no, I have not. But um, I know they did do... I think this was actually on the, uh, the Neo Geo Classic that was released not too long ago. Okay. Love the art. It screams 90s, especially the guy in the middle there. Yeah. I Such a 90s a, outfit. I always wanted a Neo Geo back in the late 80s, early 90s, but man, they were so expensive. They're still expensive. Oh, really? Yeah, they're crazy expensive. I can't remember if they released any Neo Geo games for the Wii as part of their, like, virtual console i don't think they did they do now for um the arcade classics on the switch you can get a ton okay. of neo geo games on there i must be thinking of another console that they did that maybe no, it was turbo graphics that they did for the wii yes Let's see uh you're up uh, sorry i had to hit my cough switch uh december 10th of 1993 id Software releases Doom. It is considered one of the most significant and influential titles in video game history for having helped to pioneer the now ubiquitous first-person shooter. I love Doom. I used to play Doom all the time in my 11th grade uh, computer programming class. Never played it, but had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah, it was always a, a fight between me and my friends to see who could get done with our work first, because whoever got done with their work first could go up to the front of the classroom and play games for the rest of the period. So if, mm -hmm. if you were the first one to finish, you always grabbed Doom. And then after that, it was like Duke Nukem and uh, a couple other games. But everybody used to fight over Doom to, uh, to get our work done first. It's a good motivator to get your work done. Hell yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, December 9th, well, 1994 was a busy yeah. year for December. Uh, December 9th, Namco releases its first 3D fighting game, Tekken, to arcades. I've briefly played Tekken. Um, when it came to the arcade fighters, I was more of a Soul Calibur fan. But 
know, Tekken's not bad from what little I've played it. Um, I was never a huge fighting game fan. Like I, I liked playing Street Fighter Two, and I liked playing the Mortal Kombat games. But when it came to Tekken and all that kind of stuff, I never really got into those games. But I do remember the the local arcade. Man, the Tekken machine would just twenty four hours a day just had people around it, like just playing all day. People love their arcade fighters. Yes, they do. Uh, December 10th of 1994, Nintendo releases Wario's Woods, the last official game to be released on the NES in North America before Nintendo would officially discontinue production of the console. Oh, poor That's NES. a great trivia question. Yeah, it is. I should remember that for the future. We should do a retro, like a retro game trivia episode. We should. Yeah, that's a good idea. Bring Wally on as the host. Yes, Wally's a great host. Wally's just great in general. Yeah. Uh, let's see. December 16th of 1994, Mega Man X2 is released in Japan. Of course it was. Mega Man. There yeah. should be a Mega Man game released every month. That's what <laughs> should be happening. Every year and every month is the year and month of Mega Man. Yes. Um, uh, but as a little bit of a teaser for, for our Christmas episode, I did watch the episode of a certain cartoon that we're supposed to be uh, doing a commentary for man did they crap all over Mega Man <laughs> and yes they did and Simon Belmont <laughs> oh lord what were they thinking would what you say the show is similar to the title of Colonel G <laughs> the, the sports guru yes uh, something along those lines oh, okay yeah cool I have no idea what that would be <laughs> On December 21st of 1994, Bungie releases Marathon, one of the earliest original non-ported first-person shooters for the Macintosh. Let's see what this is about. Marathon. I I remember looking at this last year. Yeah, Mm -hmm. man, this year has gone by so fast. It has. This is not at all what I was thinking about. When I think of Marathon, I think of people running. Well, and and also Bungie. I didn't know Bungie was around in 1994, but they uh, six years later would release um, Halo. Yes, they did. And to close us out on this month in video game history, on December 24th, 1994, Heretic is released by id Software. It's the first in Raven Software's Heretic slash Hexen series and also the first game bundled with Dwango, one of the earliest online multiplayer services. Wow. Did not know wow. that. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Dwango is a cool name. Yeah, it is. Dwango. I like their logo, too. <laughs> is that the sequel to Django? I think so. <laughs> the, the, uh, the sequel that never was. Um, but tonight, it is Derek's turn to review a game, and he's going to be reviewing this little ditty right here. Never want this song to end. <laughs> and it's only like no. thirty seconds long too. So all the music in this game were all, every sound clip I could find. They were like thirty seconds long. Yeah, I, it's funny. I was actually looking up the music earlier today and and saw the same thing. So this week I'm going to be reviewing the seventh saga, uh, titled Elnard in Japan which is a turn-based role-playing video game developed by Produce and published by Enix for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System in 1993. So first, I have to thank Nicholas, who I believe recommended that you review Fexanadu mm-hmm. that you've done on the show before. So he messaged me on Instagram a while back and asked if I would review this game. And I'm all all for uncovering new Super Nintendo games because, as I mentioned earlier, you know, there were a ton of good games for that console. And there were some that, you know, I remember hearing about as a kid and just never got around to doing it. But I'll be honest, I had never heard of this game. 
um, until either. he brought it up. So, you know, I've been playing it um, off and on for the last couple of days. And it it screams the games that I would have that I loved when I was growing up because I was huge into the RPG genre for the Super Nintendo because there were so many good ones that I've I've reviewed a lot of them, you know, with Secret of Mana, Earthbound, uh, Secret of Evermore, Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars, so many fun and cool RPG games. And I feel like had I been introduced to this game at that time, I would probably be putting it in that same category, maybe to a slightly lesser extent, but I also don't have that same sentimental value with it that I do with those other ones. But to go through a little bit of what the gameplay is, um, something that I actually really liked about it is that you can actually choose from uh, seven different characters uh, to start the game. I believe there's um, an elf, a dwarf, an alien. So a lot of cool variety. And they all have different personalities, too, which I think is really cool. Like the alien is extremely arrogant and really cocky. Um, and you, you actually you interact with the other characters throughout the game as well, which, you know, is is not uncommon with RPGs, but I just loved at the beginning that you could actually select a character because that was a rarity with those games back then because with other RPGs, you just kind of start. Like with Earthbound, you start as Ness. Yeah. And you get your, you know, your, your party throughout the game. But um, So what the game is about, um, you can choose one of seven playable characters, all of whom separately embark on a quest to locate seven magical runes. As the player progresses through the game from one town to the next, they encounter the other six characters on multiple occasions. Uh, you may partner with one of the other playable characters to fight as a team, um, and they may also fight against other playable characters for the runes. Um, notable unique innovations include the use of a crystal bar radar system in the game's HUD that allows players to see enemies approaching their character in dungeons and in the overworld. Uh, which also was something that I don't remember that much, if at all, from any of those other RPGs from back in the day. That's another thing so, I was going to ask you: is this was this a JRPG uh, type of game with like uh, random encounters? But with this, with uh, the 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 HUD system, it seems like you're able to avoid uh, mm -hmm. random encounters if that's not what you if that's if you if you don't dig that type of gameplay which i don't i don't like playing games with random encounters i think i would actually enjoy this a lot more if i could have actually avoid them or you know i want to see where the enemies are i want to be able to pick when i fight something yeah when it comes to when it comes to the turn-based RPGs, I know in Earthbound you could see the enemies, but there you didn't have like a radar system. It was just you would see them on the map and they would run towards you, and if they caught you, then you would engage in battle. Yeah. Um. So I I actually thought the the radar system was really cool, and I actually really liked. And I don't know if it quite holds up as much as I thought it would. The whole turn-based. RPG battle system. I personally, it doesn't bother me because I grew up with those games. I know a lot of people don't like the turn-based 90s RPGs. But what's cool is that, like, say you'll be walking on your map and you will encounter an enemy. It will transition from a top-down view to then being behind your character and the enemies in front of you. And that's when you choose, you know, whether to attack, um, defend, you can use magic, um, things like that. So I actually... You know, that didn't really bother me. I know I, I read a couple of different reviews that said they didn't really care for the battle system, but it's not uncommon with that era of, of RPG. Yeah. So the game takes place uh, on a world called, and I'm going to get all these pronunciations wrong, so I apologize for that, um, called Tachondra. 5,000 years ago, a divine being named Sorrow defeated an evil entity named Gorgia with the power of seven runes. In the years since then, the runes have been scattered across the globe. Um, Lemiel, or Ramir in the Japanese version, the son of Sorrow, was born 100 years before the beginning of the game and became a hero when he defeated the demon Gariso. 
Now 100 years old, Lemuel has become the benevolent, benevolent and powerful ruler of the world. And the seven characters that you can choose from are basically recruited um, by the king, trained for five years, and they're dispatched to find the seven runes. And then you kind of go on your way from there. So the story is is actually pretty cool. Again, I I like when games, especially from this era, can intertwine characters and plot lines and things like that. So um, I do wish that I was able to complete the game, which I'm nowhere close to doing. But it is going to be a game that I keep playing, you know, throughout because I'm going to have two weeks off for Christmas. I I want to. I want to beat this game and whenever I do give like my full you know thoughts on the ending and whatnot because I, I have no idea what's going to happen. I've I just know the general story from what I read before you know I started playing the game. But I, I like it's kind of exciting, you know, playing a game from that era and you don't know what's going to happen. Whereas, yeah. you know, I we've talked about Link to the Past, you know, I've played through that game so many times I can almost play it with my eyes shut. Yeah. Same thing with Earthbound and Illusion of Gaia. It's I, I'm glad that Nicholas recommended this to me because like I said, this would be a game that I probably would have loved had I discovered it growing up. It's just crazy to know how many RPGs there were for the SNES. And I've heard that a lot the last couple of years that the SNES was the great like role-playing game console, and I didn't realize how many RPGs there were for the for the Super Nintendo. There were a ton. Like I, I the the cover art for this is vaguely familiar, but I don't remember this game. And um, yes, yeah, there are plenty of others that you know pop up here and there, and then I'm just like, man, I don't remember this game. And um, you know, I. Like I said, I'm not a fan of the JRPG type. I'm more of the, you know, Link to the Past, uh, Legend of the Mystical Ninja type of semi-RPG player. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But if I could find one that really kind of, you know, sucks me into the story, I'd be more than willing to, you know, sit down and play a good RPG for the Super Nintendo. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm looking forward to because I'm even like I know the ending is on the Wikipedia page and I've been intentionally avoiding it because <laughs> I don't know. It, it's I think we kind of take for granted all the games that we enjoyed a little bit. I mean, maybe not take for granted, but we just know what to expect from them because we grew up with them and we played through them so many times that it's almost a rarity to discover something that is like the games that you grew up with. Yeah. But you just missed out on. And like you said, the the amount of RPGs and the sub RPGs, like you mentioned, like Link to the Past, the amount of them are just insane. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot so, of the <clears throat> a lot of the later RPGs that came out for the system you know, like later on around like between like 94 to 96, those are the ones that are way too expensive these days. Like, you know, like Earthbound, Illusion of Gaia, you know, those games are really expensive to try. Especially Earthbound. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be paying out the butt for those games. I will say if I ever become or if I ever get to the point where I can spend money like that, one thing that I will buy is an unopened copy of Earthbound. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I know, right? Like I said, if I get to that point, I will be more than happy to buy it. Well, I do but have even some just, lottery tickets, so if I win tomorrow night, then uh, I'll buy it for you. <laughs> oh, you're too kind. Uh, if you did that, I would be nice enough to let you stay at my place for the weekend. Awesome. We're already doing that. <laughs> But no, um, as far as um, reception of the game goes, um, the Seventh Saga received moderately positive reviews. Um, Night Runner of GamePro applauded the game's graphics, animation, music, sound effects, and non-linearity of the plot. 
and stated the game's multiple characters and variable plot are innovative in many ways, but said that the frequent simplistic combat does not live up to the rest hmm. of the game, which I kind of see that. But then I also go back to a lot of the turn based RPGs are like that. I mean, to me, it's really not that different. So if it's not your thing, I get why you would knock it. But I, don't know, I personally it didn't take away anything for me personally. Yeah. And then the unrelenting combat and convoluted puzzles may drive away all but the most dedicated role players. Again, so far from what I've seen, it hasn't really bothered me. Yeah, but it might get tougher so, the, the further into the game you get, though. That is very true. And like I said, that my, my only regret is that I haven't had as much time as I would like to, to play this game, because I do very much like it. Well, that's cool. So you, I'm definitely going to keep playing it. Uh, finish it over the holidays and give your your final thoughts on it uh coming up the first thing in the new year yeah absolutely because like i I got Uh, a lot of games i gotta get to i gotta finish up the original metroid i gotta finish Mega Man 11 then i gotta get started on super metroid so it's gonna be a busy month in january yeah i gotta find i gotta try and find a copy of i'm actually thinking about pulling the trigger and getting an old game boy you should I don't see why not. Yeah, because I got to play Metroid 2, and then I might, over the holidays, I'll have to look at my parents' house to see if I still have my copy of Metroid Fusion. Hmm. But I'm excited for Metroid Month, though. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Let's see. Enix actually planned to market the game Mystic Arc as a sequel to the Seventh Saga in North America under the title Seventh Saga 2, However, the game's localization was never completed and it was released only in Japan under its original name. Hmm. That's something that, you know, you can think about, too, is that a lot of those RPGs never got sequels. Yeah. I mean, Secret of Mana did. And Earthbound had Mother 3, but that was a Japan-only game. So, yeah, a, a lot of a lot of those sequels never saw the light of day in the States. I guess that would be a good way to, or a good reason, to actually, pick up a Super Famicom. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I, I'm still hoping that eventually they'll release the Earthbound sequel in the states because I I will start on that in a heartbeat. Oh yeah. Let's see some of the scores. Uh, let's see, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a 31 out of 40. GamePro a 15.5 out of 20. And Nintendo Power, a 3.9 out of 5. That's and I'll say, you know, from from what I've played of the game, and again, I haven't completed it yet, but so far, I would give it, I'd probably give it a solid 7. For seven, 7, you know, somewhere maybe maybe 7.5, but definitely a, a strong 7. It's a, it's a very solid RPG. And like I said, it fits right in perfectly with its era. Of video games so um thank you nicholas very much for uh the recommendation i really enjoy it and can't wait to can't wait to finish it awesome was there uh, is there anything else you wanted to say about it before we uh move into the end of the show here no i think that covers it pretty much uh anything else you want to uh you want to throw out there before we leave give give them our leave for this week well, I did want to throw this out there, and I'm sorry I forgot to mention it when we were talking at the beginning. Um, I know Nate was very concerned about my well-being for Super <laughs> Smash Brothers, so you'll be happy to know that um, I, I do want to tell this funny story. So Saturday, well, first of all, I went out with some friends Friday night, and I got back to my place probably around 1230 at night. So, of course, when I get home, I play Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. I play it for about an hour. So like, all right, well, I'm, now I'm going to go to bed. So I sleep in till about 8.30, which is really late for me because normally I wake up around like 6 a.m. So what's the first thing I do? Play Smash Brothers. <laughs> I, I was supposed to be, we were supposed to have our uh, Christmas parade and I was supposed to be a part of it because, you know, the Blue Wahoos always have a, a float in it. But there were rumblings that it was going to get canceled due to the weather. Which, of course, I get, you know, a text around lunchtime saying that it had been canceled. So what do I do? I keep playing Smash Brothers. Of course. I'm, 
I'm laying in bed and I end up falling asleep around like 2.30 and then I wake up at 6 Wow! in the evening. So I'm just like, well, I mean, I'm probably not going to be able to sleep very much. So, of course, I just keep playing Smash yeah. Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I got my, my sleeping habits, you know, all back in order. Sounds like um, a good day. <clears throat> Smash Brothers is great. It's the game is gorgeous. Um, I haven't unlocked. I haven't come close to unlocking all the characters yet. You'll be happy to know that Simon Belmont is a badass. Um, oh, he he's he's up there on my list of characters that I like to use. Um, I really like um, Ryu from Street Fighter. He's a cool one too. Um, yeah, it, it's just it's it looks so good. It's got so much replayability um the story mode's actually really good i i love it It, it's it's probably going to end up being my game of the year that's awesome um i i love it speaking of next week um i don't know if i'm actually going to get to play anything this week because i'm gonna i am going to be out of town helping with your movie this weekend so i'm thinking maybe we should do something next week about um some of our favorite games that we've played over this last year that we reviewed. Um, I don't know. What what could we do for next week's episode? Because that's going to be our last regular episode for the year. And then, of course, we're going to do a commentary track for our Christmas episode. Hmm. Let me think about that one. Yeah. That's not a bad idea, though. Uh, let's take a favorite day or two year? to think about it. and Because um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if I'm going to have time to to play anything this week. Yeah, to to review for next week, so we may have to come up with something interesting to do for the show. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll figure something out. But uh, anything else you want to throw out there before we leave this evening? No, just um, as we mentioned before, you know, we'll be shooting my movie this weekend. If you want to follow it on all the social medias, just look up the Parker Syndrome on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and. Um, Side note, you'll be happy to know this. Um, I actually just got confirmation today that one of my upcoming guests for the Derek Diamond Experience will be Mr. AJ Caruso, who composed Survey. Awesome. That is fantastic. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, he, he he said he was really excited to do it. We've been we've exchanged a couple of messages and just gotta pick a date and uh that'll be out. Um the the official I'll say the official relaunch of my podcast is now like less than a month away. That's fantastic. Which is insane to think, which is insane to think about. So good things happening. Awesome. Well, go watch Monsters Anonymous on, on Amazon Prime. I'm going to keep saying it until you do it. So you might as well just go watch it and leave us a review. And on that note, let me play our music here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. Of course, we have a Patreon where you can help support the show over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And if you can't do that, well, then leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast, the podcatcher of your choice. Just go leave us a review, and that helps put us in front of more people, and that helps us out a lot. So thank you very much. And Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Wow. Master Blaster runs by the town. You blow it!